after the sermon, we will sing together from Psalm 30, the stanzas 1 and 7. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, and that also includes you boys and girls, we have come to the final chapter of the book of Jonah. Actually, it's surprising that this last chapter was added. For the story, for the story actually ended already at the last chapter. At that point, it appears that Lord God accomplished what he had set out to accomplish. Jonah finally did what he was told to do from the start, and the desired result was achieved. For you remember that the story of Jonah began with the request of the Lord that Jonah go to the city of Nineveh and preach against it, for the wickedness of that great city had come up before God. The Lord God wanted that city to repent from their sins. And that's exactly what happened in the end. It took a while. The Lord first had to send a wind and then to appoint a fish to swallow Jonah up and to have him deposited on the shores of the city of Nineveh. But finally, Jonah does make his appearance in Nineveh. And lo and behold, the people repent en masse. That's exactly what the Lord wanted to happen. And now we have mission accomplished. End of story, right? Well, no. There is still another chapter. Why is that? Well, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, this book is not in the first place about the repentance of Nineveh, but it is about the rebellious and stubborn character of God's covenant people. This is his last warning to them because of their sins, to repent from them. Many prophets before Jonah had come to that nation to tell them to repent, but Israel refused to listen. The repentance of Nineveh is an example to God's own covenant people. Nineveh repented in sackcloth and ashes. Israel must do the same if she wants to stay the judgment of God. But the same thing applies to Jonah, who represents that nation of Israel. For the stubbornness of Israel can be seen especially in the incredibly obstinate behavior of Jonah. For here you have a prophet of the Lord who has just been deposited on the shores of Nineveh by the Lord God himself and who just saw the the miraculous repentance of a multitude of heathen people and who in spite of all that still had the audacity to find fault with the Lord God for sparing their lives. Nineveh has repented, but the prophet of the Lord had not. The problem with Jonah is a greater obstacle than an entire city full of people prone to violence and pagan practices. In chapter 4 of the book of Jonah, we find a very angry man. Why is he so angry? What's his problem? Well, Jonah's problem is that he does not want to understand 
the all-embracing mercy of the Lord his God. Oh, sure, Jonah says that he knows all about the mercy of God, for he prays after repentance of Nineveh, Oh, Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That's why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. And so he says, I know all about God's mercy. That's why he did not want to go to Nineveh in the first place. But that's exactly where the problem lies. The reality is that he does not really know about the great mercy of God. And that is because he does not want to submit himself to it. Why not? Well, let us consider that as we listen to the preaching of God's word. I will preach to you about Jonah's unrighteous anger at the Lord's great mercy. First, we will look at Jonah's anger and secondly at God's mercy. After Jonah had brought his message to the Ninevites, he went outside of the city and awaited the outcome. The people had 40 days to come to repentance. But before those 40 days were up, Jonah left Nineveh. He did not want to be destroyed along with the rest of the people. Once he realized that the people repented en masse and that God for that reason would not execute his sentence, Jonah became angry, very angry. And he expresses that anger in his prayer. Once again, this is not a good prayer. It's not the kind of prayer you would expect from a child of the Lord. It's a prayer full of bitterness. Jonah does not want to accept that God has spared the Ninevites. And no doubt all of us wonder, why does Jonah have such difficulty with that? How is it possible that he is so angry? If this happened to me, I think that I would act much differently. I would rejoice about the fact that thousands upon thousands of people repented from their sins and turned to the Lord our God. What's Jonah's problem? Well, brothers and sisters, before we get on our high horses, let us consider the kind of person Jonah is and the position that he is in. For what is the case here? It's clear that Jonah hates the Ninevites the Assyrian people. And if you know a little bit about their history, then it is easy to see why. For the Assyrians were a very cruel people. They were feared and dreaded not only by Israel, but by all the other nations as well. At the time of this prophecy, Assyria is still quite weak. It takes yet another 50 years before the fall of the northern kingdom at the hands of the Assyrians. Nevertheless, the Assyrians are making their presence felt all over the world of that day. They would make occasional forays into foreign territories and do severe damage before getting out again. I read somewhere that the Assyrians moved as a mob in a very disorderly manner, like a plague of locusts. They would capture, kill, and torture anyone who crossed their path. One method that they employed was to take a man into the sandy desert, bury him completely in sand except for his head, and then put a thong through his tongue and leave him there to die as the sun would beat down on his head. And that's one of the nicer things that they did. To speak of some of the other tortures would be too gruesome. 
The people were so afraid of them that cases have been recorded where an entire town would commit suicide rather than fall into the hands of these cruel people. Now it is very well possible that Jonah had personal experience of the crudity of the Assyrians, that he had come to his own hometown, tortured and killed all the men and raped and captured the women, and these things may have happened even to his own family. We do not, of course, have any evidence of this, but knowing the times in which he lived and the things we know about the culture and the movement of the peoples of those days, this is very well possible. And so it is understandable why Jonah is so angry with his nation and why he does not want anything good to happen to them. It is no wonder that he does not want to go to Nineveh either and wants to go to Tarshish instead. He hated those people with a passion. But Jonah also knew the Lord his God. He knew that with the Lord there is the forgiveness of sins, any sin. There is not a sin so great, or the Lord God will forgive it. Joah knew that about God. But there is one thing he could not do. He could not bring himself to forgive that people. The hatred and the bitterness in his heart was just too great. Does that sound familiar, brothers and sisters? For that also happens in our lives, doesn't it? It also happens to us that something, something occurs in our life, that some horrible sin is perpetrated against us, and that we have a really hard time with it. Someone has done something against us which, in our way of thinking, is unforgivable. Oh, sure, we know that the Lord God will forgive. We've been told that many a time, and we believe that. But... To know and believe, that's one thing. But to put that into practice, that's another thing. We see the Lord's forgiveness as one thing, but ours as another. As far as we are concerned, what the Lord does in forgiving someone his sins is ultimately his business. For we think he is God. He is able to do that. He is wiser and stronger than I. He isn't hurt in the way that I am hurt by this or that person. I'm not God. As far as I'm concerned, there are certain things which are unforgettable and unforgivable. I'm not going to forgive that person who has done this or that against me. I can't stand him. And I'm going to stay out of his way as much as I can. I don't want to be reminded of that person and of what he has done to me, and I'm going to try to put him or her out of my mind. I'm going to have as little as possible to do with him. I don't want to be reminded of what has happened. Let the, door, let the Lord deal with him. I can't. That's often how our minds work. And that's also how it was with Jonah. He had no trouble believing the Lord. He did all that God required of him to the best of his ability. If he lived in this day and age, no doubt we would say about Jonah, he's a good member of the church. He shows that he loves the Lord and his people, and he is a faithful minister of the word. 
That is the image his fellow believers would have of him, especially before he took off for Tarshish. Jonah did not think like a heathen, and he did not live like a heathen. He's a believer. Except he has this thing about the Assyrians. He hates them. There was one thing to which Jonah could not bring himself, and that is to forgive those Assyrians their atrocities. Jonah thought, if the Lord wants to forgive them and save them, that's his business. I do not want to be involved. The very thought that this people would find favor with God is so repugnant to Jonah that he says to the Lord God that he would rather be dead. Jonah is terribly distraught. He cannot imagine that the Lord did what he just did. He thought that God was on his side and that he would understand how he felt. And here we see the kinds of people that we all are. Jonah is just like us, you and me. He fooled himself into thinking that his cause was the Lord's cause, not the other way around, namely that the Lord's cause ought to be his cause. And so he confirmed himself in his anger. And he taught himself to think that he had good reason for his anger. And he became so evolved in his in his office of prophet, that he forget that he was doing the Lord's work, not his own. He was convinced of the righteousness of his cause. Jonah believed that he was justified in feeling the way that he did, and so he began to identify his own feelings with the Lord's feelings. And for that reason, the Lord is still not finished with Jonah. Jonah still needed to be taught a lesson. The Lord is much busier bringing one covenant child to repentance than with a whole city full of heathens. And as we will see, there is good reason for that. Before we deal with that, let's see what happens. Jonah built himself a little booth, a shelter outside of the city to provide it with some shade. It was only a makeshift structure, and it did not really offer him the protection that he needed. And so while Jonah is sitting there outside the city of Nineveh, the Lord appoints a vine to come up to be a shade over his head and to save him from his discomfort. The vine was probably a castor oil plant which can reach a height of approximately 10 feet. It looks something like a palm tree with large leaves. Now the same God who appointed the fish also appointed this plant to grow. It was nothing short of a miracle that this happened. And we know that this is true, even though scientifically it may not be possible for a plant to reach such height overnight that can offer shade. While Jonah is sitting there nursing his wounds, the Lord appoints that plant to bring about a change of heart in Jonah. But Jonah only realizes that later on. For Jonah believed that God's favor was shown to him for one reason, while God himself has something quite different in mind. The Lord wants to teach him another lesson. Jonah said to himself when he woke up one morning, this is more like it. Now I know that God is with me. He is showing his favor to me as well he should. God finally realizes that my feelings are hurt and now he gives me this plant in order to show me that his favor rests on me. And we may wonder about the ways of the Lord, the way that he once again deals with Jonah to point him in the right direction. 
For what does the Lord do? He makes a plan to make Jonah more comfortable. The Lord is with him. He shows him his favor. He first peppers him. Brothers and sisters, the Lord does that to you and to me also at times. There are times in our lives when we can really see that God is with us. He brings us into very comfortable circumstances. Everything is coming up roses. Look at how good we have it today. He also gives us shelter from the sun and the wind and the cold. We all enjoy very comfortable lodgings and we have good jobs and fine families by and large. And there may also be other indications in our lives. Perhaps there are, these are some of your happiest times. You are on top of the world and believe that things are going well with you and with your relationship with God. You finally have come to a point in your life where you're quite comfortable. Well, you may certainly rejoice if that is the case with you. But don't depend on it. Don't think that just because now everything seems to be fine, that therefore everything is all right with you. For as soon as you think that now everything is completely under control, then you are getting too comfortable. For then the ground of your assurance is your own subjective situation in life and how you feel about it. And do you know what will happen then? Then the Lord God will send you a worm. He brings you down to earth. That's what he did to Jonah. After a while, Jonah got quite comfortable there on the dead plant. He saw it as a sign that God was with him. And indeed God was. But not because he made him comfortable under that tree. The Lord was with him because he did not give up on him. He wanted to teach him something else. And he knows how to bring you close to him. He knows how to make you comfortable. And he also knows how to make you squirm. He knows how long we can take the comfortable situation we are in. Before we think that we no longer need him. Jonah's problem all along was that he was too comfortable. He was too comfortable with the fact that he belonged to the true church. He was too comfortable with the fact that that nation Israel was doing as well as it was. For remember what I said some time ago when I held my first sermon on the book of Jonah. Jonah was a prophet during the time of Jeroboam II. And that was a time of great prosperity and security. Israel had never had it so good. And the rich people smiled and said, See, God is with us. What can happen to us? God's face is shining on us. And therefore, in the meantime, they lived as if there was no tomorrow and there was great immorality in the land. The rich oppressed the poor and they drank and they ate and they partied. Well, there comes a time when the Lord God puts a stop to it all. And that's also what he did with respect to the plant of Jonah. For after one day of comfort under the shade of the tree, the Lord appointed a worm which attacked the plant so that it withered. And the sun rose and God appointed a sultry east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah so that he became faint. But there and again we see the mercy of God. We 
brings us to our second point. The Lord is merciful to Jonah and to the nation Israel. For the message which Jonah had to learn, he also had to send back to his own people. They too had to learn from his experience. How can that worm be a sign of God's mercy, you may ask? Well, Jonah had to learn that final lesson yet. In the first place, he had to learn that God is the one who created all things. He is the one who created that plant, that vine. And he is the one who put man on earth. And therefore, the Lord God can do with his creation whatever he wants. For he is the almighty creator. Jonah didn't like it that God showed mercy to the Ninevites. He was downright angry about it. Well, says the Lord, you have a problem, Jonah. You want to hang on to your anger, your resentment, and your hatred? You think that they are undeserving of mercy? I have news for you, Jonah. So are you. And so is the rest of the people Israel. They have nothing whatsoever to offer me. And yet I show mercy to you as I do to the rest of them. And that's the message which he gives not only to Jonah, but to all his covenant children. We too will hang on to our resentments and hurts that others have perpetrated against us. We boil inside when we think about some of the things that other people have done against us. But what does the Lord God say to us? He says, forgive one another. No one excluded. You may not harbor hatred in your heart. For remember, I sent you my son to die for your sin. And that was a terribly hard thing for my son to do. You cannot even begin to imagine how hard that was. He, who was with the Father, full of glory and majesty, came down to this filthy world, full of sin and misery, and emptied himself of the glory that he had with the Father. He had no sin. He who had no sin allowed himself to be reviled and ridiculed and abused. And rather than harboring resentment against mankind, he did something quite the opposite. He took all their sins and he heaped them upon himself and allowed himself to be murdered on the cross. That, brothers and sisters, is the great mercy which God has shown to you and to me. And that is why the Lord Jesus Christ also taught us to pray, not only for our own forgiveness, but also for others, that we will forgive those who have sinned against us. And how can we not forgive others their sins, even if what they did was reprehensible? As far as the Lord God is concerned, there is no sin so great which cannot be forgiven. Well, that's the way it ought to be for us as well. We can and we must forgive others. Remember that I said that the Lord God has a harder time with a covenant child than he does with a whole city full of heathens? Do you know why that is? Well, once an unbeliever comes to faith, he does so because he realizes how terribly sinful he is. 
Once confronted with sins, he knows that he has nothing to offer God. He strips himself naked, so to speak, and throws himself at the mercy of God. He knows what he was like before he came to faith. But a covenant child does not always have such a sense of his own sin. He thinks that he is not like the heathen. That he is not in such great need for redemption. And that is why it took such a long time for Jonah to come to his senses. He thought that he was different from the Assyrians. But God does not make any distinction. For this whole world belongs to him. Even the animals. The whole world needs to be redeemed. It's interesting to note that the Lord also shows his mercy to animals. In chapter 3, the Lord includes all the animals in his decree to repent. And says that even the animals have to go into mourning. And then in this last chapter, he indicates that he had compassion not only on the people, but also on the cattle, it says. We think that sometimes we can treat animals with contempt and mistreat them. But that's not what the Lord God says. He says, also deal kindly with animals. He loves all his creatures. All his creatures are dependent on him. And so there is one more thing which the Lord wants Jonah and all of us to learn. He says to Jonah, you have to learn to depend on me alone. For I am the only ground of your salvation. There is no one and nothing else on whom you may depend. Go back to the people of Israel and bring them that message. And then write it down in a book so that all my people can learn from this. Maybe they will still repent. And so brothers and sisters... Let me also ask you a question. Have you also learned from this message that Jonah had to learn? Are you still hanging on to hatred for others? For example, are there some people in this building whom you can't stand? Have they said or done things which in your way of thinking is almost unforgivable? Would you be happier even if they didn't belong to this church? Or are there others, perhaps, others who have in the past wronged you? And you cannot bring yourself to forgive them. A parent, an uncle, a grandfather, a former boss, a teacher. Well, then remember the message of Jonah. And turn to forgive. Rejoice that the Lord wants not only to save you, but also others. Paul says in Romans 12, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friend. But leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. If only we could take these words to heart, brothers and sisters, completely. There are many reasons for people to be depressed, to be suicidal even. 
And there are some things which, humanly speaking, are beyond our control. But there is one reason for depression which we can do something about, and that is the depression caused by repressed anger and resentment. If we all could learn to give over our hurts to the Lord our God, then we would all be happier persons, and there would be much less need for counseling. And the same thing is true about our earthly comforts. When they are threatened, some people become depressed about that as well. They are afraid because they lost their earthly possessions. And so let me ask you, what are you going to do when the Lord sends a worm and your plant withers? In other words, when your comforts are taken away, when adversity strikes. Are you going to be like Jonah and fall to pieces? For that's what happened to Jonah. Jonah was so distraught that he wanted to die. When his plant was taken away, he once again became suicidal. The Lord took away his shade. The plant had become his comfort, shade, uh, his comfort station. He had become attached to it. He cared more for that plant than he did for the people of Nineveh. People who are full of resentment are like that. They have a hard time relating to other people. They rather talk to their plants. And they treat their pet dog like one of the family. But when it comes to people, they avoid them. They don't like them. They have been hurt too many times. Or others get attached to material things. But people? Ah, never mind. Leave me alone. Let God deal with those difficult people. Beloved, it's a good thing that God does not leave us alone. He did not do that to Jonah, and he does not do that to you. Jonah, it appears, finally learned his lesson, for he wrote it all down. And therefore he had to reflect on what happened. But the vast majority of the Israelites did not learn their lesson. Even though the Lord Jesus said to them to learn from the prophet Jonah. And from Nineveh that repented. They rejected the Lord God nevertheless as the ground for their salvation. Let the same thing not be said of us. Jonah was a stubborn man. Jonah had to learn that God's mercy also extends to all kinds of sins and to all kinds of people. What about you? Do you also have to learn the hard way? What does it take for you, brother or sister, to learn about God's great mercy and care? Amen.